Friends, there are certain pillars of truth that are prescribed to, subscribed to. You know, in this age of subscription, you go on YouTube and they say, subscribe to my channel. And uh, obviously I never do because I honestly don't want what any of them have to give me. But unless it's woodwork, that's, that's different. <laughs> but subscribe to my channel, subscribe. And my question I felt in my heart uh, just for this week, we'll go into other stuff next week, is God has put this message of the gospel in me. I, I cannot explain it to you. I it's not about me. But God has regenerated the message of the gospel so inside of me, uh, you can ask my wife almost every morning, every night, I'm thinking about it, talking about it. I cannot not think about it when I fall asleep. Just the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the gospel. And there's these different gospels out there, sadly. And my question is, what gospel have you subscribed to? We've, as we've started to teach on identity and teach on who God sees you and teach on how, how, how God sees you and what that means and what He calls you and We've had people come to us, people that have been saved for 30, 40 years, saying that identity clash you did with the young people, please do that with us. I've had maybe 10 requests for that. Just because it's such a stronghold of the enemy. And so I, I began to write stuff. I'm actually beginning to put something out to write. I don't know if it's a book or a manual or just something on all the stuff over the years that God has been putting in us, putting in me, and there are some cornerstones of thought that I would like to present to you. I'm only going to speak about one this morning. But these, and they may be different for you. But these, and I, don't, I cannot call them cornerstones because there's more than four. But these cornerstones of thought dictate everything I think about the way I think about the way he sees me, about people, about God, about leadership, about anything. And the number one is that God is good. And I, don't, I cannot go into that. The goodness of God never comes into question in my mind. Never. It's a cornerstone of theology for me, that God is good. Number two, how God sees me. It's a cornerstone of the way I think. I don't see me how God sees me. I'm learning to. You don't see you how God sees you. <laughs> how God sees me. It's called grace, but it's more than that. Another cornerstone of thought that's always with that. With God, all things are possible. It's actually a huge part of my heart. All things are possible with God. There's nothing that is not possible with God for those who believe. Nothing. And we so often limit Him. And that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And my poor wife gets that message every day. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And then lastly, obviously, identity. Who we are. These are the cornerstones that make up so much of the way I think. And I, I really believe that God's put it in me. Not, it's not about me but for the truth to come forth, for the truth to come forth. Romans 1.16, and I know that software at the back takes a while to catch up, and I'm going to run fast, so good luck. It says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So the gospel is the power of God for salvation, for salvation. My question is, what gospel have you subscribed to? Because I look around on the earth, I look around in the church, definitely not this church, you guys are all awesome, but I look around in general at Christians, and I look at the Bible, and I see these fundamentally different things. And I see so many people have subscribed to a gospel that is get me saved and let me survive here and just, you know, survive until he comes back. That is not the gospel the Bible preaches. It's not. 
It's just not. It's like a survivor gospel. Or get me saved so I can go to heaven. And I know you've heard this, Prince, but I'm asking for you that it impact your heart. The gospel that the Bible teaches is to get heaven into you, not you into heaven. That is such a side benefit. The gospel that the Bible preaches is calling you to be free from every single person and thing that surrounds you. That's the gospel. And I see that it's like almost Christians being, there's so many things that we get discouraged by, so many things. It's like the divorce rate, the depression rate, the suicide rate. It's exact, not a judgment. It's a, it's a misunderstanding of the gospel by large that the rates are exactly the same in the church and the world. It's a belief issue. It's a belief issue. And it's a passion of mine to say, let's see the gospel become the gospel again. You know the word salvation, the power of God into salvation, the word salvation is actually broken down into three categories. I'm going to throw a little bit of theology at you quick. And it's good. I'm, I'm not sorry for it. It's very important. And some of these things, they didn't come, let me just say, I don't know why, I'm not trying to step on toes on purpose, but they didn't come through me going to some conference, I'm going, bless you. Years of tears and study and reading and wrestling and the fight of faith and the up and down. I, I used to walk around in my room going, this cannot be true, this cannot be true, it cannot be so good. And you wrestle stuff out. The word salvation actually means Justification, sanctification, glory, it's all three. What is justification? And I know I teach this, I'm going to teach it again and again. It's very basic. It's the regeneration of man. It's a very large topic. It's when your, the Spirit comes alive within you, you are made new, a new creation. It's instant. You're brand new. What is sanctification? Everyone says sanctification is about becoming better. It's about, you know, being good. God's going to make me a good person. No, friends. It's not. Sanctification is about becoming free. It's about becoming free. Jesus said, sanctify them with truth. John 17. What does truth do? Truth makes you free. He said, sanctify them with truth. My word is truth. What was the premium thing he was talking about? He was talking about being not of this world. He said, you are in the world. You're not of the world. Father, sanctify them with your word. Your word is truth. The number one thought pattern that we need to have in order to get free is to understand that you are not from here at all. You're not from here. Your body is here, but you, the you, who you are, is not from here. Jesus said that thought pattern will set you free and more free and more free and more free. Because the more you listen to that new person, the freer you're going to get. And the result is, yes, your behavior changes. The result is, yes, your holiness comes easy. The result is all that stuff happens. But it's, you don't try. You understand your root system has changed. And the fruit just happens. What about glorification? That will only happen one day when Jesus comes back. That you will have a body like he has. His resurrected body. Transformation of our body. Let's go to the very beginning. Whoa, almost dropped the Bible. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. I'm going to run through this fast. I don't know what it is, but God has put this inside of me. I cannot get away from it. I, used to, I grew up with my dad saying, God's not letting me go from this passage. He's not letting me go from this subject. And I'd always be like, that sounds great, but I have no idea what it means. Now I know. Because God, it's like he will not let me off this. Genesis 1, 26 says, Then God said, let us make man in our image. There's obviously so much in this. Us, you know, the whole Godhead. I, we cannot, we're just focusing on some. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion of the fish of the sea. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male 
and female. Image and likeness. Image, the word image is often used there like a shadow. It's exactly the same. They look the same. Hello? It's a twin, actually, some of the old Hebrew translations. Likeness is similitude. It's the same in, on the inside, the same in character, the same in thought, the same in, it's the likeness of God. It's the nature, his nature, who he is. He made man like that. That, friends, is your created value. That is God's original intention. He made man in his image. What happened, let's go to, verse, uh, go to 2, verse 17, I think it is, yes. And I know I'm skipping, we were going to read spans of Scripture, but I also want to honor your time. Then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden, tended and keep it, verse 15, sorry. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And we all know in children's church, well, they ate it, but they didn't die. But look at that word, you. <laughs> He's saying the you, the you in you. <laughs> the person I made you, the you will die. And then sin entered. And you were no longer you. Because you died. I hope you can see that. Friends, it was a revelation to me. The you is gone. The one who God, the way he made you, the similitude, the image of God, the likeness is gone. You now, in that moment, so much changed in that moment, we cannot even fathom. The way that seems right to a man, according to fallen human wisdom, that leads to death, that was born. In that moment, boom, self was born. The opposite of love is not hate, it's self, because love does not seek its own. Self-defending, self-justifying, self-whatever, self, 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 self at the center. It was born in the garden, and God is love. And the opposite of love is self, because love does not seek its own. All of that was born, and fallen human wisdom was born in that moment. I personally believe that many other things changed as well, that we cannot... Uh, so much changed in that moment. And all of a sudden, human nature entered. Human nature, the thought pattern changed. Everything changed. The image of God left, and Jesus had to restore it. So what did they do? It says they cut them off from the tree of life. Why? Because you cannot take that tree of life was not lifelike. Oh, I'm alive, friends. It was life quality, not of this earth. You understand? Life, heavenly life. You cannot take the heavenly life and combine it with fallen human nature. They do not go together. So he had to cut them off from that. That's what happened. So what else happened? Let's take a look. I wrote here, the tree of life was cut off from them. They could not access heavenly life. That life is not from earth. With the fallen nature, they cannot be combined. So, the blood is shed. As we know, the first time blood is shed for the temporary forgiveness of sins. And then, it's just a patch. Now, Matthew 18, Jesus arrives on the scene. There's a lot that's happened in that time, obviously. Jesus arrives on the scene. And I'm going to say some stuff that might shake your theology a little bit. Just, just bear with me. Everyone says, well, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He absolutely did. Paul said it. Jesus came to seek and save sinners of which I'm the worst. And so he absolutely came to seek and save people. But that's not what that scripture says in Matthew 18 and Luke 19. The original says this. He came to seek and save that which was lost. That's a non-personified article. It's, not, it's that. It's the image of God in man. He came to restore what was lost in the garden. 
But in order to restore it, he had to first make you new. Because you cannot combine that life with fallen human wisdom and human nature. You cannot. I wrote you, you were, when you were who you really are, the very nature, the image, the likeness of God and man, who you really are, your created value, and I've said this time and time again, and I'm going to keep saying it, it's not who you were born on the earth. Please hear me. The emotions you were born with, the way you were born, that's not the you that God said is in my image that he made in the garden. That's the person born under Adam. And the emotions and all the stuff, if you're 25 years old before you got saved, you were trained by the system of the world for 25 years with fallen human wisdom, with the way that seems right to man, with self at the center, but you don't know how you, what you said to me, and that hurt me, and because of that, I am going to do this to you because you said to me. And, and yet that language is everywhere in the church. It's the opposite of the gospel. And I cannot put a heavy on you with this because whenever you preach this, people say, you're telling me to be perfect. No, I'm asking you to open your eyes and to see the gospel that first you have to see what he's done for you. He's made you righteous. And when you see you're righteous, you'll become righteous in general, practically, which we'll get into. I wrote you, in order to save us, he had to restore what was lost. In order to do that, he had to make us brand new. You had to die. Let's go to Colossians 3, because I can see the question marks. I like question marks, because it means I get to prove things out of the Scripture. It says here, I cannot, let me just read it. I'm going to take the time, rather. Colossians 3, verse 1. <laughs> That's a reversal. I remember doing it to you all my life. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind. That's where the battle is on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died. Friends, I'm running ahead of myself. We have to stop relating to ourselves by relating to the old man. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Please hear me. That is not what the gospel teaches. Reckon yourself dead to sin, for you have been freed from sin. Because you died. Set mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, Ah, oh, that makes sense now. He's our life. When He appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Therefore, put to death the members which are on the earth. Isn't that interesting? On the earth. That's stuff you were born in under Adam. Not born on this earth. That's the new creature. The stuff born on earth, this is how you express the Adam nature. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. So you get the parents and go to the children. You've got to be good children. The Bible says if you do these things, you're going to go to hell. And it just puts law on them. And they're not understanding the gospel. That's just expressing who they were when they were born. They were born that way. And then it says, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Not because they were bad, disobedient to the gospel. Not saved. In which you yourselves once walked. In other words, now you don't because now you're saved. You yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, all that. Do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds, you've put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image, the image of him who created him. Restore to your created value according to the image. And you hear, the, you hear the opposite language in the world and in the church, or in the Bible. Sadly, sometimes in the church it's the same. It says, renewed in knowledge. 
Well, what you don't know doesn't hurt you. That's what the world says. What you don't know doesn't hurt you. The Bible says what you don't know is destroying you. People, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And all you're getting, get understanding. Sticks and stones will break your bones. You know, words will never harm you. That's the world. The Bible says the life, the power of life and death is in the tongue. Don't get your hopes up. The Bible says get your hopes sky high for it's the anchor of your soul. I only, I only believe it when I see it. The Bible says please do not believe what you see because what you see will change its temporary. What is unseen is eternal. The new man. And the Bible only speaks to the new man in the New Testament. So when you read, don't do this and this and this, people go, oh, I'm doing those things. I'm such a terrible Christian. Stop it. Seriously, just stop it. Because when you speak to yourself like that, yeah, everyone's remembering this old movie clip, I know. When you speak to yourself like that, you're relating to yourself based on the old nature. That's not who you are. It's trying to show you, yes, don't do those things. It's trying to show you, when you do those things, you're not operating in who I have made you to be in the new man. It's trying to show you your identity, not your behavior. Very important, friends. Otherwise, it puts a law on you. And what does law do? Provokes sin, stirs it up. I asked that identity class, why was the law added in the Old Testament, the law of Moses? Why was it added? They said to help the Israelites, most of them. I said, no, the law was added to make sin increase. They said, no ways. I read it to them out of Romans. Because who was the first person to get the law? Adam, do not eat. What did he do? He did it. It's like a toddler. Don't touch. We all, we all know this. Renewed in knowledge. Friends, why is the world's language and our language so opposite? For, it's opposite for a reason. Fallen human thinking. Fallen wisdom. The way that seems right to a man. I think it's James 3. Can you put up James 3, verse 14? Yes. But if you have bitter envy and self, 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 fallen human, self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. For this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. It's not the wisdom of the new man. For when I came to you, brothers, 2 Corinthians, I did not come to you with human wisdom, but with Christ, the cross, with power. Non-human wisdom, it's the way that we think. There's so much in me I'm trying to get across. Romans 18, I mean Romans 8, Romans 18 doesn't exist. If some of you try to turn there, that's a problem. Romans 8, Romans 8 says this, verse, uh, let's go to verse 28. And we know all things, again, I cannot get into the context, please, we can chat afterwards if you need. And we know all that all things work together for, for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, for whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Friends, please understand, the firstborn among many, He was the first to rise from the dead. When he comes back, there will be many. That will be you and me. His resurrected body has no blood. You know that? Because he poured it all out. It's, it's not congealed blood, gross, sticky, yucky. It's living blood at the mercy seat. He was flesh and blood, friends. He came as a man, flesh and blood. He poured all his blood out at the mercy seat, still alive. That's why when he rose from the dead, he said, touch me for I am flesh and bone. Resurrected body. We will have a resurrected body. That's glorification. What gospel have you subscribed to? If it's to get you into heaven, friends, you will be miserable on the earth. We have a resurrected body that is coming. 
But until such a time as that, we get to live in the freedom of becoming conformed into His image in every likeness, in every similitude, in every way, in every fashion, in every form, like it was before they ate the tree, because Jesus is our prototype. So how did He do this? Well, we lost His image. So what did He do? He said, I'm, I'll come in your image. People say that's blasphemy. Go to Romans 8, verse 3. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness there's that word likeness. In the likeness of sinful flesh. We lost his image, so he came in our image. What love is that? Friends, the love of Christ. If you want to read about his love, go read Philippians 2, 5-9. It says, He did not consider equality with God. All things created for him, through him, in him. Nothing was made that was made that was not made through him. Friends, he was in the beginning. He said he let go this equality. He let it go to be made like a man and was raised from the dead as a resurrected body, he is the God-man. He is still the God-man. He is name above every name. I'm not taking away his divinity. Name above every name. King above all kings. Alpha and Omega. But something changed, friends. And he did that for you. Because we couldn't do it. So he said, I'll come in your image to restore you to my image. And in order to do that, I have to, I have to kill you. <laughs> but I'll die in your place. And you can be found in me. The Bible says in Colossians, you are complete in Christ. We say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's not a completeness there. You are complete in Christ. Only in Christ. And he came in your likeness and restored to you what was lost by you dying because you're in him and you made brand new. That word brand new, 2 Corinthians 5, all things have been made new. I'm a new creation. That is, means in the Greek, a new species on the earth. Never seen before. Because of what he did. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. The love of Christ. He let go equality. He did not consider it robbery. He became obedient even to death. Death on the cross. That's the love of Christ. What about the love of the Father? For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. You know you could have put anything in there. For God was so frustrated with the sin of man that he sent his son. We'd still be saved. For God was so tired of sin that he sent his son. God was so disgusted. But it says loved. He gave everything. He's one son. Jesus gave everything. And yet there's people shaking their fist. Friends, why is I so passionate about that? Because when this comes inside of you, you cannot but help tell people the good news of the gospel. And the church has become so afraid. And so that there's the gospel-centered life. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Where are we? I wrote you, why is it that we are only as good? I wrote you, actually, let me read this. Without realizing it, we have been finding ourselves. You know, I need to find myself. I need to go and find myself. You know, that whole thing. Silliness. You died. Good luck. <laughs> Without realizing it, that's true. Without realizing it, we have been finding ourselves through all other things, and we know all sorts of things in our lives to stay so that we can stay encouraged. And we wonder why we have so much discouragement in the body of Christ. We are often only as good as life is going or as people are doing me. And you can tell on Saturday or you can tell on Sunday. And we are waiting for everyone to treat us right because we don't realize that he already did. He already did. My value, my purpose, my destiny is all wrapped up in the gospel. All of it. Your purpose comes from the presence of God. I preached that recently. First person that left the presence of God walked into the land of Nod. 
which means purposeless wandering. No presence, no purpose. John 1. I don't have the time to go into it. Let me just quickly read it to you. I cannot preach it, but I'll just read it. Friends, if we see the gospel, the stuff burns in me like a fire. In the beginning was God, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, you see what He changed? <laughs> see what He left for you? All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. Light suddenly burst. Truth was born on the earth. He is the truth. Life was born on the earth. Why? They cut them off from the tree of life. You cannot combine fallen wisdom, fallen human nature, the way that seems right to a man, the way to th- you cannot combine that with the life of God. So Jesus comes, the way, the truth, the life, and life again, that, that heavenly life is born unto the earth again, second time. First Adam, second Adam. And life is born on the earth. Why? Because he's saying, not only am I coming, I'm coming to put my life inside of you. Be- because... I'm going to kill you in the nicest sense of the word. I'm going to die. You're going to die. You're going to be born again. I'm going to make you brand new so I can restore the image of God in you. Why? So that now you can touch the tree of life. So that my life can be in you. Complete restoration. To put his life in you. Do you realize what you have inside you? That life is not an earthly life. The Bible says in Romans 8 that that life will give life to your mortal flesh. It's not an earthly life that is living in you, friends. Meaning what? It's not subject to natural law. That's how healing happens. That's why when we see the gospel clear, healing will happen so much easier. Not because we've done a healing course, because we've read Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne. Friends, I've read every book on healing you can imagine. You can ask my mother and father. I researched it until, and I just got confused. I've read everything written on healing. Breakthrough started coming when I saw the gospel. I have a life in me because of his love for me. And when I'm praying for people to be healed, I'm not, well, did they say unbelief or did they confess or is it there or was it me or is it, how did I touch them, where did I, come on. All that stuff. My only thought is the love of God for that person. Because I know the gospel clear, it's so clear. The life of God inside of you. I'm going to have to bring this to a close. The truth, Arocha, sprung onto the earth. Not a way, not a religion, not a doctrine. A life lived. A prototype, an example. A life lived. Flesh. Lived. Lived it out amongst us. Showed us what it looks like to live with that life filled with the Holy Spirit. There's so much here. Friends, when that life comes inside of you, it brings something. It brings a new nature. And the fruits of that nature is evident. It's called the fruits of the Spirit. You cannot demand it out of people until they've seen the gospel. Even then, you don't get to demand it. It's fruits. It's fruit. It takes time. But it comes fast when you see the gospel. Peace, patience, kindness, love, self-control. Very, very important. And sanctification, friends, is what makes you free. Makes you free. Deliverance can make you free for a time. Ministry can make you free for a time. Doesn't keep you free. Please understand, I believe in all that stuff. I've seen power come through me, come through others all my life. But I've seen most of those people who get touched go back. The people who stay free, they know the word. They know the gospel. They know Jesus. Can I read you a few more things and we'll be done. We have to stop relating to ourselves to him. 
and to others from the old man. We relate to others based on the old man. That's why everyone's pottering your life. Well, you don't know what they did, so. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and cast your name out as evil for my sake, Luke chapter 6. For great is your reward in heaven. Yeah, but you don't. Doesn't matter. You're not a doormat. Don't let people walk over you. I'm not saying that. But becoming love is a whole different way to live, friends. It's no longer self at the center. That person has died. I'm relating to the new man that the Bible speaks to. And that new man is free. Free from you. Free from me. The old me. Free. Free. Truly free. And that's freedom. And Jesus came to set you free. For freedom's sake, he has set you free. That's what the Bible says. So, I'm going to read you something out of Hebrews 10, out of the Message Bible. Calm down, calm down. I know it's, everyone, that's not a real Bible. I said I would never read the Message Bible. I have, I have fallen. Hebrews 10, let's, uh, let's go to it. I'm going to read you very quick, Hebrews 10. Oh, we don't have it? Okay, we couldn't get it up. It says here, I'm just going to read it to you. Okay, can you follow? This is Hebrews 10. It says here, the old plan... I love the way he puts this. The old plan was only a hint of the good things in the new plan. Since the old law plan wasn't complete in itself, it couldn't complete those who followed it. What did the Bible say in Colossians? You are complete in him. No matter how many sacrifices were offered year after year, they never added up to a complete solution. If they had, the worshippers would have gone merrily on their way, no longer dragged down by their sins, but instead of removing awareness of sin, when those animal sacrifices were repeated over and over and over, they actually heightened the awareness and the guilt. He's trying to point out in the New Testament it should be the opposite. No conscious of sin, because you've been freed from it. And when we live in relation to the Old Testament, into the old man, we say, well, I'm just a sinner, and uh, friends, stop. You're letting your identity be formed by something that's been killed. The Bible says relate. Your identity is the new man. It's trying to say, yeah, it says here, but instead of removing awareness of sin, in other words, now the awareness, the new King James says, the conscious of sin, the consciousness, it's gone. It should be gone. <laughs> that challenges some of us. doesn't mean I'm not saying be perfect. I just know how he sees me. And that brings the best out of me because I know how he sees me. It's called the power of righteousness. Let me read you this. The word righteous simply means able to stand before God without any sense of guilt, shame, or condemnation. Let me ask you, can you do that? Not theologically, do you do that? Do you stand before God without any sense of guilt, shame, or condemnation? You can. Most people don't. Misunderstanding of the gospel. Then you get something called the work of righteousness. Because as soon as I say that, people say, Oh, you're telling people they can go sin? And it's always our reaction. Why? Just let it be. Let the righteousness change them. The work of righteousness is any expression of God's nature through us. The fruits of the Spirit. The life of God in us. The point is this. The Bible says that we in the New Testament are oaks of righteousness. Oak, O-A-K. Tree. We're a tree of righteousness. Meaning your root system is righteous. And so we all, well, I want the fruit. Well, your root system is righteous. If you believe your root system is sin, good luck. For real. You're relating to an old man that's been killed and you say, well, I'm just this, I'm just terrible, I'm just... Stop. Stop. You are righteous. And when you see that you're righteous and you relate to yourself in righteousness and you relate to the new man, all of a sudden that, that sap will flow up into your life and you will see the works of righteousness, the expression of God's nature will flow through you easily. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know what the word glory means? It just means any manifest or made seen. Manifest 
or made sin attribute of God. So what it's actually saying is the righteousness in you, the Christ in you, is the hope of making God seen and known. That's it. And that is why you must, you must, you must be born again. must be born again. I'll read it again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation. Justification, sanctification, glorification. For everyone who believes. And then we even confuse that. Say, well, it's not everyone, it's just a few. It's everyone. Anyone who believes, saved. For the Jew first and also for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Even the way we understand faith, friends, we make faith a point in time and we're wrong when we do that. Well, I didn't have enough faith. Faith, according to patriarchal faith, real faith, Abraham faith, was a way of seeing. Was a way of seeing. I see like he sees. And because I see like he sees, I make decisions based on what he says. And that's called faith. The gospel. The gospel, the gospel. I pray with all my heart that we take the time to understand the gospel. I would sit with any person and just, ah, just this stuff is so in me. But I know we've run out of time. We went over today. There was a lot to explain. Friends, I'm asking you to be a Christian. Go and know the gospel. Know what you believe. The power of the Spirit, the healing, the demonstrations of signs and wonders, it all flows out of the gospel. Otherwise, it'll be a splash of power there and it'll fade, a splash of power there and it'll fade, and you run from place to place, whoever has it, and you're left searching for something that you already have, the life of God inside you. Can we stand? I'm just simply going to pray. I know we went over. Friends, good news today. It really is good news. It really is good news. Yeah, it's great news. It's good to hear the truth. I agree, because it sets you free. Friends, can we end with a song? for the future and we are so excited for what you have in store and I thank you that we will just begin to boldly walk in who you have called us to be the spirit man father we thank you and we worship you we love you we love you Lord we love you thank you father in the mighty name of Jesus we pray amen